it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We have a very special guest today, Chef Michael. I can say Calante. <laughs> That's Perfect. how we tell people to say it because, of course, it, it's a long, it's the hard A, the longer A. I think I was taught, what I was taught, what did we know? The alphabet had just been formed. Anyway, <laughs> had just been written. <laughs> oh, Michael. Denise. Hello, thank you so much for for welcoming me today. It's been it's been really so long since we've had a chance to chat and it's great to catch up. Thank you. It's great to catch up. Now, we're going to start and here's where we're starting. I sometimes I give these lengthy introductions. Michael and I know that people are like snoring by the time my my guest gets on. <laughs> so, I want to start with this. You you and I met at the CCA, right? That's correct. Correct. Okay. I I had come back as an adjunct instructor in like 93. Okay. You were there. When did you start at the CCA? What year? So, so I came in the very next year in 94 from Philadelphia. I came in and... Um, they had brought me in to write a baking and pastry program for them. Okay. So, so I did that. And then, then they said, well, well, maybe we should make you the executive director. So that's, that's was my next job. I was, I was the executive chef for a while. And then they said, no, executive director for you, put you in charge of, of everything. So that's, uh, that's a very, short way of saying what happened to me once I landed at CCA. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me tell you, it, it's, uh, you know what, my, my, here's how I feel about the CCA. I'm so grateful I went. Had yes. I not gone, I could never have had the career that I've had. And I mean that from just what it, the confidence it gave me that, you know, and however it ended, as things do, businesses don't always last. Do you know what I mean? My yes. feeling is the intentions in the most of the most of the CCA's history was to do good and to produce great, you know, students. So that's how I like to remember it. I I agree with you with my soul on that one, Denise, and I and thank you for wording it that way because you know, having worked on the uh, on the administrative side, I got to see, you know, as as they say, how the sausage is made. And you don't ever want to see that. You, now, <laughs> you okay, just want to grill it up and eat it. Oh, my God. This was my thing because I graduated in 84. So I got back there in 93, 90, 93. And the reason why. Michael was I was building out a new catering kitchen in Los Angeles and it was of course falling behind and falling behind and we could we couldn't really legally cater do you know what I mean without our kitchen and blah blah so I scrounged around and it was probably Dan Bo who said come up here and teach one or two weeks out of the yes who we text each other all the time we text each other all the time because we're gossips. And <laughs> I got a job. And it's same thing at the CCI. I started teaching one week out of the month. And my family's still in San Francisco. So it was wonderful. And then 
the kitchen's falling behind, the kitchen's falling behind. I started teaching two weeks out of the month. But you know what was great, Michael? I got to see some of the good changes that had happened at the CCA. And I got to see that there had been a flourish of women that were now graduating. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and, yes. And it gave me, and I had just written a book on catering and I sold a ton of catering books because all the kids in my class bought my book. So again, yes. the most positive experience for me at the CCA, I'm extremely grateful. Well, you know, and, and, and in fact, I remember when uh, when your book came out and you were, you were uh, set up on a little folding card table in the main lobby of these grand marble steps, this little fold out, you know, Mahjong coffee table, and you were selling your book. And I couldn't even get near you. There were so many people like, oh, sign this, sign that and everything. And, and I was and I think that's when you really like registered, you know, because there were there were so many chefs. There were like over 150 chefs there at that time. And, and I remember just thinking like, oh, I have to get to know her because she has something special going on. And, oh. uh, you know, so, so, and, and that was that moment. So thanks for, I had forgotten about that. So. I'd forgotten about that too. All I know is I did sell a ton of books because of the CCS yes. and I'm very grateful. Yes. This is what's frightening too. I still get royalty checks from that book. It's my very first, <gasps> I know. Now, I'm not going to retire. I couldn't retire on them, but I get a little check in the mail. And I wrote that book in 93. And I think this is amazing. OK, enough about me. Now, so you came from Philadelphia. Where? How did you learn to be a master baker, Michael? Did you learn from the streets? Did your parents bake? <laughs> you know? I learned from the street. Yeah, I learned from the street. That's very funny. <laughs> No, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you, you mean, as you opposed do. to a formal training and yes. stuff like that. Yes. When you meet taco chefs today and stuff, I mean, they learned on the streets, you know. That's well. And, a, and you know, really, I'll tell you, of all the, I mean, I, I've always been a teacher, Denise. Denise, I've right. always been a teacher. And, uh, you know, I've taught everything from, you know, YMCA, summer camp, to, you know, uh, um college art history courses i've taught everything in between and everything and and i'll tell you and the reason that i stuck most with uh the cca and teaching culinary is that it was uh, I, I don't want to say it was vocational but it was like these were talented interested smart people that wanted to learn something but didn't necessarily feel comfortable sitting and learning in a traditional classroom, et cetera. And, and a lot of times the students, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to go to a, like even a community college or something like that. It was like, get a trade, get a trade. And, and that demographic of people, it's just like that to me, that's where you get where I get the most return on the money. It's like, OK, this is I'm going to teach this and then the kids take it. And next thing you know, they've got their own catering businesses and they've got their bakeries and they go, hey, Chef Mike, thanks a lot. And I'm like, hey, you know, so it's it, that was the, the sweet 
like niche for me. That's where, as Laurie Grenier says it. That's, and you know what's interesting, Michael, and I'm sure you'll agree. When I had to teach the catering class, uh, most of the guys that were, you know, because it was by the time I got there in 93 now, I had half girls, half boys in my classes. Do you know what uh -huh. I mean? No longer just three girls out of 50 guys. But all of them were going to be restaurant chefs. And they would say things to me like, well, Denise, I am Chef Denise. Thanks for your class. But I'm never going to cater. And I used to say to them, sweetie, <laughs> yes, you are. The yes, you are. <laughs> there isn't a chef on this planet that doesn't find themselves one day standing yes. in the middle of the In fact, next week you're going to be catering. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you never get stuck in catering. You have no idea. And so... I agree with you. And there, there's always been to me, I, I love, Michael, that you think of yourself as a teacher first because, yeah, okay? Because, yeah, that's who you help. That's who you help. But you know what, Denise? It really is a question for me of, you know, I, you can be a famous chef. You cannot be a famous chef. You can do that. You can do that. But you, you like, what is the legacy that you're going to leave behind. And, you know, for me, you know, and, and it, it, it's especially for me, like when I come back to Philadelphia, where I, where I started teaching, and yeah. I can talk more about that, and, and I come back now, and the biggest restaurants in Philadelphia, the chefs were students of mine, like years ago. Yes. And, and I go in and they're like, oh, hell, the chief, and I'm like, <laughs> be quiet, don't I, you know, it's like, you're the chief, you're the one that's running all this stuff. I just showed you like, which end of the knife to hold. And, you know, and, and that to me is, is that, that just made everything worth it and, and makes everything worth it. So. I, I so agree. It, it's, a, it's, a. hopefully we, you throw those pebbles into the, the, you know, the lake. <laughs> <laughs> what, into whatever, yeah. They do all sorts of things, and some of them you find out have gone on to bigger and better things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When I once in a while I get texts from some sweet student, something the same thing, or they'll say you were inspirational. I always say the same thing. I want you to aim higher. Okay, <laughs> I want you to aim higher than me. Please trust me. Now. Oh, that's great. I'm going to steal that. You I'm steal stealing it. it. I'm steal stealing it. Steal it. Aim higher than me. That's all I can say. Now. Can I, can I, can I jump in? Can I jump please, in? Please. Uh, uh, I, I once, I would, I would tell students all the time, I would say, when they would say, oh, we want to be like you. I want to do this. And how'd you learn to do that? And I would like do air quotes. And I say, you know, being a baker, I said, like, I'm not your role model, like the Kaiser role. And uh, once at graduation, they gave me a chef coat, a, a group of students. And, you know, for your name, they said, not your role model. Oh, how cute. Oh, how cute. Oh, that's wonderful. So anyway, but I, I liked aim higher. I like that. Uh, it's shorter. It's yours. Now, we need to talk about, so after you, you know, left the CCA and different things, and this is what's important, and Michael, a lot of our audience, regardless of their age group, face this question. So you basically, if you didn't go to work in a bakery, you know, 
working all night for somebody else. You and created, I did not. Yeah, you created your own career by teaching R&D, by writing your own books. I, I did. Mean, so you built your own career. Yes, I didn't. I didn't realize it at the time. Of course but, not. Uh, yes, but that's exactly in retrospect. Yes, that is what that is what happened. See, and this to me, and this is always, and we all we have similar themes, and it's probably because that's what I'm interested in. <laughs> mm -hmm. Similar themes and the people that we interview on Women Beyond a Certain Age, where people, uh, male or female, but they decide that they're in charge of their own career. Do you know what I mean? And it's a very okay. big deal. Okay. I, it's a very big deal. And this is how I always equate it. I had been, same thing, you know, I taught at the CCA, but then I got, you know, I had a catering business when I wanted to get out of catering because I was just tired. And I kind of felt like I'd done everything I wanted to. I said, I'm going to be able to sell my food styling services and consulting services, and I'm going to build th that career. I had just married my husband by then. And he said to me, so that's how you're going to replace the $100,000 a year that you get out of your catering company? And at the moment, I thought, oh, because I never even looked. You know what I mean? Really, I, I that wasn't why I was catering. I knew it paid me pretty well, but I, I don't do my own taxes. And when he said that to me, I thought, no, chefs don't do taxes. <laughs> I thought, oh, shit. That sounds like a lot of money. So starting, you know, to all of a sudden say, oh, no, we're not going to do this. And move into something else. Ignorance is bliss, as we always say. Yes. I didn't know any better. And I just assumed that I could do it. It took a long time. It took a long time, Michael, to make that same kind of money again. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I, yes. I, I kind of threw caution to the wind. And also my husband was paying the rent at that moment. So that's probably why I was a little more cavalier. But it's not an easy thing to do to start. You, I always think the same thing. Ground zero, and all of a sudden you build a career. It may take 10 years. It may take 15 years. But it's yours. Yes. That's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. That's that's great. So that's, that's okay, so that, I, I, it's so nice to hear that from from a colleague yes. and uh and and you know innately i i knew that because i i know that about every colleague you know of a certain age who like you know has their own business and supports themselves in some way or whatever and you know when you fill out your income tax there's no code for what it is that you do so you <laughs> just have to put you know six nines in a row other because no one does what we do in no. the way that we do it, and That's and and so it, it's it's very personal. It's it's yeah. so personal, and and so as you were talking, I was thinking about I have some notes here, and I was like, okay, well that helps me frame the stuff I wanted to to talk about today, and 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 my story, and um, I think my uh, I don't think it my 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 career per se actually happened after the uh the cca was sold and then it became the court on blue and then the court on blue 
slowly was disbanding all of their schools in North America. And, you know, because enrollment in, in cooking schools has really declined over the past, well, two decades. Yes. And, and that's really where I started building my own career. But before I talk about that, Real quick, I just want to lead you through uh, uh, how I even got into cooking in the Please. first place. Absolutely. And um, the, I think the guiding, I think the guiding uh, uh, principle is I'm going to do what I want to do because that no matter what, I don't even know how it will support me. I don't know, but I know that if I like what I'm doing, then I will be better at it and do it more, uh, uh, you know, deliberately and consistently and, and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And so when I was in uh, when I was an undergrad, uh, I was a mathematics major. And uh, that came about only because the math classes were offered at eight o'clock in the morning. And I liked getting up and I would go. And for some reason, and I'm not bragging or whatever but for some reason math just makes sense to me it just makes sense and <laughs> see and that's yeah so that's why i'm a baker so and 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 i would sit there and you know and i would just like i would take notes and this was all like higher level stuff theoretical and integrals and oh stuff i don't even remember yeah but it it was, it made sense to me. It was easy to get A's and all of these things. And I said, okay, well, this is going to be my baseline. And then I started taking like other courses and I took courses in literature and, and uh, language and art and just like all of these things, just because you know what? I wanted to do it. Yes. And it like, like, what are you going to do when I get out? When you get out? I said, I don't know. Something with math, probably. I, I don't know. Like, you know, let me let me finish this. So um, then I went to graduate school and um, I studied architecture. Now that see, that made sense. You take math, you have yep. applied science, you can be an architect and Ayn Rand and you can build things and all of that stuff. So that took me to France to write my thesis. And I wrote my thesis on the uh, flying buttress structures that hold up all those Gothic cathedrals like Chard and Amiens and Reims and, and Notre Dame. And next to every cathedral in every single town in France, there's a boulangerie. It's like, it's just like right next door. I mean, I think they made, you know, the like the communion wafers, you know, back in the Middle Ages, yeah. right? Sure. I mean, I know in Italy, that's how they did it. So I, I, I became, I got distracted by these aromas and all that stuff. And I just fell in love with bakery. I just fell in love with it. And I came back, I finished my, my, my thesis and all that stuff. And then went back to France and got a uh, apprenticeship position with one of the bakers that I had become friends with while I was there. And that's what got me in to, wow. to baking, that whole thing of like finding what you want. So so that was, you know, 
that was that was like caution to the wind. That was I, like you know. But that's amazing. Do you know what? See, and that that's amazing. And you know what, Michael? I think it's fa and it's also you followed what you want, what you fell in love with. When people say things to me about cooking, one, I found out I was good at it. Do you know what I mean? At first, I was just yes. unconfident and I was scared. Right. And I had never. Yeah, you have to be good at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I found out I was really good at running kitchens, that it was exactly like running a nursery school. Do you know what I mean? That Johnny needs a nap, Johnny needs a nap, Pedro needs a nap, you know, Jose needs to stop drinking during the day. I mean, I learned. Right. Spill in aisle four. That's right. Clean up. But, but it, people say, oh, but that, what did you do beforehand? I See, I never finished one thing in my whole life before culinary school. I went to college. I went to several colleges. I did this. I did. I never did any. I mean, I sold real estate because my father was the broker, but I never really finished anything until I found cooking. Do you know what I mean? And then so it's we meander our way through life and then we find things if we're lucky. If we're if we're lucky. And, and I was just really, really fortunate that I was allowed and able and had the wherewithal to do those things i just you know and and i thank my family so much for all the support that they gave me through that but you know i you know i was i was very fortunate in that regard so tell us this i i know i know about your very first cookbook uh, your first baking book michael because you sent me a copy of it and I need people to know because I'm not a baker. Now I, I mean, I can follow a recipe. Do you know what I mean? But it's not, it's not as instinctive to me. Though in reality, what happens is, as a food stylist, you end up making every single kind of food in the world because yes, you do. Yes, you, you know, do. I mean, whether you want to or not, you end up. You need to make it the way you envision it being. So you have to do it. Yes. So I, I, I actually, and Cindy. Of course, Cindy's grandmother sold pies on Venice Boulevard into local. Oh my God, Mildred Pierce. So Cindy has pie, as I always say to her, Cindy has pie genes. So whenever Cindy has oh, incredible good. baking skills, she wouldn't even say that about herself, but she really does. Now, when you sent me your first book, and please say the name of it. Well, of it's, it's called How to Bake Bread. And the uh, and the sec and the uh, and the the subtitle is the five families of bread. See, this is yeah. I'm from Jersey, so you know you grow up with the Sopranos, and so the idea of a family made a lot of sense. But that's the uh, that's the subtitle of it. But it's called How to Bake Bread. Yeah, and you know what? I love the five families part, though. I love that. Is that it? <laughs> your book. You sent, graciously sent me one. And of course, I glanced through it and I looked at it because I was very impressed. But the funny part about it was I stuck it on my bookshelf in our little test kitchen. And a young man who worked with us sometimes part time, who now lives in New York, who's a great food stylist, saw your bread book, said, can I borrow this? I said, sure. 
The next day came in and said, this is the best bread book I've ever seen. And uh, if I remember correctly, I never got it back. <laughs> so he was, he just blatantly stole the book and that <laughs> baked a lot. So I'm sure he got more out of it than I would have only because I only, you know, I'm, I'm ADD, I'm ADHD. I learn what I have to at the moment and then it's, I, I move on. You know what I mean? That's always been who I am. So that book now, did you self-publish that book, Michael? Or did you, you know what I? You know what I did. That's I what I did thought. Self-publish that book, and um, that was an education all by itself. That I mean, really, I I would highly recommend anybody who ever like even thinks that they want to like maybe self-publish a book. I just because of the personal growth that you go through and the yep. things that you have to encounter and how they affect you and the choices that you have to make to, to get through these situations. It was a most educational experience about who I am and what makes me work. It was really, yes, I, I recommend it. Even if you don't even sell any, just not recommend doing it. <laughs> no, I have to tell you, that's something, Michael. People, you know, I know you have this too. Students, friends, colleagues say, oh, I, I want to write a cookbook or I want to, and this. Well, publishing has changed greatly. Um, people see in the newspaper somebody who gets yeah. one big advance. So they all think they're going to get, you know, $750,000. Right. <laughs> And then Stephen King. Thank you. <laughs> then they find out that in fact, something like in San Francisco, Chronicle's gonna give you, if you're lucky, ten thousand dollars. Do you know what I mean? Oh my. Yeah. And, oh, and I'm this, gonna call them up. That's more than I've ever gotten. <laughs> I know. And then sometimes you find out that you sign this contract, and when you talked about personal growth. You, even though an attorney read it, even though you thought you understood it, when you get that, when that, when the push comes to shove, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. Right. You're like, what? I have to do what? I have to take pictures of things? What? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the, in this day and age now, even 10 years ago, Cindy and I probably worked on three or four cookbooks a year mm -hmm. and got paid very well. And the, and the client was sometimes not even at the shoot. Do you know what I mean? We just sent them the right. and they would approve things. And now it happens to me constantly. We get emails from people saying, Denise, Denise, I signed for my first cookbook. I have to produce all the artwork. And I exactly. say to them, exactly. and yeah. I nice. I go, did you get a big advance? They go, no, no, I didn't. And I said, well. No, they bought me a pen and ink set. And you may not be able to afford the yellow pads by the time you finish paying for the artwork. I know. It's a cruel twist of fate. Now, the big news, and this is what I want people to understand, Michael. So, and Wait, then you, you... You know what? You know what? I just have to have... I just have to have to, uh, a shout out because, um, you know, it, it, it's like everything, It you know, it takes a village. And, yeah. and uh, I have to give a shout out and, and very likely he'll never hear about this, but the guy's <laughs> name is Jake Metzger. And he was a student of mine. And 
when it came time for me to like have photographs for my book and I realized, you know, I, I, you know, when I see your books on food styling, I, I like, you know, when I food style bread, I'm like, I put a slice of bread and then like, I say, okay, here's butter, you know, and that's, <laughs> to me, that's like food styling. And, and so I couldn't make beautiful pictures. I just couldn't do it because, you know, it, it's not. And, and, and he said, well, you know, I can, we can do your, your, your pictures, like a, like a very instructional kind of thing, very like basic black and white, blah, blah, blah. And it reminded me of the very first cookbook I ever had, Jacques Pepin's La Technique. And he had these black and white photos that, I don't know, must have been from like the daguerreotype machine in like 1890. There were so like just such poor quality. But you could see exactly what he was doing. Here's how he boned the fish. Here's how he did that. And I thought, that's the kind of format I want in my book. So people can look at the picture and then maybe read what I wrote or not. You know, it's like you can learn from the picture. He said, well, he said, I can take those pictures for you. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, then you always have to, like, you know, vet the people and say, you know, what are you going to, you got to come in with your cell phone? They didn't have cell phones then. But um, he goes, well, no, you know, I used to work with my dad. And he is the uh, head of photography for National Geographic. And I was oh. like, oh, okay, you're, you're in, dude. <laughs> How? No. Now, Michael, you bring up a really good, another point besides the point of your story. See, along the way, there are people that help you. That's all. Yes. And, oh. if, I, and people say to me sometimes, oh, but Denise, you work so hard. I said, I was also extremely lucky. People exactly. sometimes exactly. out of nowhere say, yes. oh, I love that story you write. Or Denise, that was wonderful. I mean, yes. people... The throwaway line that I'll never forget, big luncheon, I'm with Julia Child, we're at ICP. I sit down next to this very unimposing, lovely woman. Uh -huh. And she said to me, oh, your stories are marvelous. Do you write? And I said, well, I've written a catering book. You know, I'm sitting with people who've got 30 cookbooks. I feel like now. <laughs> right, and James Beard Awards and, just, you know, Nobel Prizes. Yeah. <laughs> like a total moron matter of fact i hadn't wanted to sit at that table but of course julia had insisted and when julia tells you to do something you do it and she told me, well one day I'm, i see you'll write a memoir just put all your stories together and then when we were leaving she said oh by the way here's my card and it was judith jones oh my god i know oh yeah. oh my god of my career i never thought of it again until I found her card, but you know what? Walking away, I remember thinking, that woman thinks my stories would be interesting. So you know what? I didn't have to act on it then, It, but there was a wonderful feeling to have someone like that, or Irina Chalmers, I had Ann Willen. I had these women, these powers. Those, of those are strong names from an that, earlier age, yes. That, Tell me that they saw success in me, and you know what? It helped me. Yes. Yes. And your friend reached out to you and helped you. I yes, yes. And 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 you know, and and really, uh uh oh, there's so many like 
people that have helped me in my life that are that are coming through. But the and I think that that is really what uh, is one of my driving things today is that when I come across somebody that I see has talent and a good like work ethic and applies him or herself and all of that, I just I go out of my way to make sure that they know that they're recognized and I, I can't help you. I don't even know anything about what it is that you're doing, but if I can ever help you or just whatever here, take my number. And, and, um, and I think that it's just really important because I re I, I wouldn't be where I am now. If people had not helped me, I would exactly. not, I, I just would not. So now the, I want, pe- I, I want people to know about your new video series that you have. Uh, I, I know uh, that the, because, so you have to tell us about it. And I want listeners to know, because this one's going to be a long one. Sometimes we stop and do two, but I'll tell you something, Michael, this one's going to be a long one. And we say to people, we do them at different lengths, a podcast at different lengths. And, and people seem to listen to the long ones. People listen to the short ones. So it all works out for us. I want you to tell, but I want to tell the, the listeners now that you have been gracious enough that when we broadcast your podcast, that you have given us a coupon for a discount on your video. Oh, oh. well, you know, it, it's thank you. Thank you. And thank you for, for, you know, sharing your platform with me to, to bring this to the public, you know, cause it's really, uh, it's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and, and yes, you know, the uh, I was able to to talk to the distributors and and they say and I was like, they, they want you to just promote and promote. And I go, well, listen, you know, I just, you know, just give these people a break. So. <laughs> so let's go. So. Um, but yes, thank you. How did it so start? The, How did it start the video series? So uh, so this is OK. So this is not a whole video series. This is a, a, a one off. Okay. Uh, uh, a video. It's a one-off video, and um, but you're going to do. More. I bet you're going to do more, aren't you? Well, okay. So here's the thing. I started doing videos uh, uh, about ooh, maybe seven or eight or nine years ago. Okay. It seemed that long, but I got to like add in for COVID with uh, Craftsy. Mm. Craftsy.com. Absolutely. And I got a call. Uh, uh, I got a call one day, and uh, from somebody who was on set, and they said, "You know what? We had a baker who we wanted to do this uh, uh, video, but he dropped out at the last minute. And maybe you know you'd want to like pick up and you know and everything." And I was like, "Absolutely!" Like I didn't even ask, "What do I have to bake?" I was like, "I don't care." You know, I'm there. And so, uh, so that put me in touch with the Crapsy uh, uh, platform, and yes. what a a really what a professional group they were. They I had I had first of all I had a handler, I had a producer, I had a script supervisor, I had a proofreader, I had a recipe tester, 
I had a director on set. I had um, a sound. I, I had like all of these people. I don't even know how they can make videos that that people can buy because they spend I, so much money doing these things. But uh, but they put me in touch, and so I did one uh, on um, how to bake with whole grain breads. Okay, I remember. And, and so, and that just, uh, you know, that just was a, a big hit with the audience. And I, and I think, I don't think I know because, because I, you know, you, you read all the comments that the people write on the, on the question and answer thing. And the, and the thing that was most uh, important or striking to the students was that I presented information in a very, uh laddered kind of way like here's some information learn this and now okay well now that you know that now we're going to put this on top and now we're da, da, da. so it starts from a very basic platform that i imagine many people are already you know comfortable with but of course new people are not and 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 so that was the big thing and then they came back to me about uh, a year later and they said you know what we want you to do another one and the second one was on, what was the second one on? I think it was on, oh, it was on um, sourdough. No, it was not. Oh, my God. It was the science. They wanted science of baking. Ooh. And I was like, well, I, I, you know, I am not a scientist. I mean, the, the smallest and scariest thing I know is a molecule. So I can't get any smaller than that when I start talking to people and they're like, now they, you don't need to go down to like, you know, glycemics and this, you don't need to do that. Just help people understand like how gluten works and everything. So they said, you know, Bill, be like a, a Bill Nye science guy kind of thing. And I had a producer who was genius enough. I mean, it was, he was like a Christopher Nolan of like, making how-to videos wow. and um in fact he recently got a james beard award for one of his videos and uh so how yeah wonderful. so i know so so and he was like no michael do whatever you want you want to be crazy go ahead be crazy and i was like oh you don't have to tell me twice and uh, so that was a big hit so so i i have uh you know i have those under my belt Yes. And um, so there's a uh, so now to the, the the new one. The new one is called Discovering Focaccia. Love it. And it is in conjunction with Central Milling, which is uh, uh, an organic uh, milling operation with headquarters in Utah and the distribution point in uh, Northern California. And they have an artisan baking center where I go and oh, teach uh, hands-on classes. Beautiful. I mean, I saw the just a little promo that you gave, and in the pictures that you sent, it's beautiful. The background it, is. It, 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 it's a stunning. It's a stunning facility, and and they built it so that they could bring in their big clients and work with their bakers with professional machinery and everything like that. So, uh, so they're they're expanding their their education uh, market. And they approached me and they said, hey, would you write a, a, a video on uh, on focaccia? And I was like, absolutely, I absolutely will. So um, and they were like, OK, well, let's have one with 
uh, tomatoes and cheese and then like meats and this and that and all these things. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> First of all, I'm the chef. I'm going to write what I want. If you don't like it, then we can go from there. But right. I'm the content expert. You are the video people. And I said, and first of all, focaccia does not have tens of thousands of things on it. It's this little no. flatbread and people use it in different ways. So that's how I'm going to approach it. And they were, they were skeptical, but, um, but I came up with a, uh, I came up with a, a, uh, a system. I started in Liguria where the traditional flatbread is. And there is a slow food presidium in, uh, in Genoa, in Liguria, where there are a handful of bakers that have gotten together and they said, okay, we are going to only make the traditional focaccia and we're going to use olive oil. We're not going to use lard. We're not going to use this. We're going to let it rise overnight and everything. So I thought, you know what? Let's explain this. Yes, students, so they can know what it is. I mean, it's not something that you just say, oh, yeah, I want the roast beef sub on focaccia and you get this thing. You know, it's it's not what it is. So then uh, so we did that. And then I went down to uh, La Puglia in the boot. And down there, they make their focaccia with um, potatoes uh. and semolina. Oh, and they make it in this deep dish pan in the uh, wood-fired oven. And it bakes up to this tender, creamy inside with like this crunchy outside. It's like creme brulee for bread. Wow. And you plant like little baby tomatoes and olives in it. And that's all. And, and that's all you need. I mean, you get these yeah. things and it is like so... Uh, so I, I, I approached it in that way, and then I ended up in um, in the Chianti region, where they make uh, this uh, this this bread with grapes, with harvest grapes, and they, it's like a flat bread. They don't yeah. it's not in a pan or anything, and they plunge all of these Chianti grapes inside and just just drench it in sugar, and then they bake that. And when you eat that this like olive oil bread fermented with the little pools of Chianti grape jelly. And oh my God, it's, oh. Okay, so. I'm sold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we will get did, people- did I, did I do it justice? Oh my God. We will, <laughs> we will tell everyone, um, Michael, how they can access that and what, and they get a discount. Now here's the reason. And I think you're going to do more of them. I hope you do more in a series for them because you just Thank so, you. no, seriously, you know, we did not, you never know what's coming. We don't know what's coming in the future. Did I see TikTok is a vehicle for people to learn to cook? No. Now, are they learning to cook? Mm, I'm not sure, but a lot of people at least are interested in food that, you know what I mean? Even if it's, yes. even if it's melting, if you are melting a brick of cream cheese and you throw some dried herbs in there and call it a pasta sauce, it's still better than going to the drive-in to meat. Do you know what I mean? As far as yes. family, yes. your children seeing their mother or their dad making something. I think making that's- Making food, yes. Making that you don't just go into a store and- 
to you don't drive in your car and get something. So here's the reason why, and this is what I wanted to finish up with, but you'll come back and be our guest again, because this is too, you're too interesting. During, <laughs> you are, during the pandemic. Now here's the example. Oh my God. I never baked a loaf of bread. In school, of course I had to. I had Bo and Chef Robert when I was at the CCA. Okay, all right. Okay, now right. I learned- Top tier. Yeah. I learned so much from both of them. I loved Chef Robert, kept in touch with Chef Robert when he went off to the CIA. But Chef Bo, you know, was always a struggle. It was always a struggle. That's all I'm going to say. I won't say much because he died and we don't talk bad about the dead when we're dying. May Italian. he rest in peace. Yes. May he, he in peace. you know, I have to tell you, I have his book, um, I, I think uh, with with age, the book has become too heavy for me to take off the shelf now. I have to put it down at the bottom where the stock pots are. But um, it continues to this day to be a resource for me. Yeah. When I have a an R&D project in something, I go, okay, before I try to invent some like new Linzer tort with high yeah. protein flour or whatever, I'm going to see what Chef Bo said to do and then i'm going to go from there you are absolutely and, correct. and he is so often my my first step so i yes. agree all right so during the pandemic the pandemic comes along i have just retired oh. Moved, oh yeah we've moved into our new house we sold both our houses i closed my studio cindy's taking over she's working and my husband and I, in 30 years of our marriage, have never spent this much time together in our entire lives. And I remember thinking, wow. <laughs> so, who are this. you? <laughs> yeah, really. Like, so, really? You know how to do that? <laughs> wow. I had no idea. You know, you talk this much, right? I had no idea. What a no, poor it's great. It, it, what a it poor had a lot of silver linings, that whole thing. Yeah. I'm starting making sourdough like everyone else in America. I have course, wonderful friends that were all chefs and personal chefs. So uh, people, women sent me starter. I get, would get a little envelope. I said to, on Facebook, I'm gonna learn to make some sourdough. I got some starters that were fantastic. I got starters not as fantastic, you know what I mean? A little weaker. I didn't know anything, but anyway, I killed one. One, there was a suicide with one starter. I mean, overnight, I got He was gone. And then, but my, I just want to say this. I made little loaves of bread. They weren't big. The recipe was by that woman who's great. I think her name is Elaine Goody, something like that. She's written some bread books. It's simple. It's very simple. Yes. And I made some loaves, but they were delicious. Not particularly good looking. I would send a picture to Jim Dodge and he'd say, oh. You know how sweet he is. He didn't want to say, whoa, <laughs> what'd you do with that one, bitch? Anyway, he couldn't have been sweeter to me. No, I got, always support. Chefs I always got support. Better at it. I got better at it. But here's what I want to say, my moderate success. Why do you, as a professional, think that all of a sudden sourdough bread became the passion of the pandemic? I'm serious. Why? It's at the very, you know, what is it called? Is it Maslow's Triangle yes. or something yes. like that? Where, yes. Yes. you know, at the, the very bottom 
is shelter and food. And then at the top is like creativity and self-actualization or words that I don't even know. And the pandemic kind of really just leveled everybody down to that first level. And it's like, you know what? You've got to sustain yourself on like the very basic level. You just have to do that, you know, find a way to get your food, wash your food, do whatever you have to do, close the door, have a decontamination zone. I don't know, whatever level of, you know, whatever level of, you know, mania that you subscribe to. And it's all, it's all good, you know, because we're here, we made it through it. Um, and, and I think, and, and so like sourdough, it's like, you know, so in many ways that, that made us be like cavemen. And so, yes. so sourdough is like, well, this is a very basic thing. This is a very basic thing. And it's made from like microbes. It's not made from anything we really need to buy and, and all of that stuff. And so I, I think that what it did is it offered uh, a venue, uh, uh, an escape, a place to retreat, uh, uh, something that was intellectually stimulating because you could deep dive on the internet and learn 10,000 conflicting things about what it even yeah. is. And it gave you um, physical activity. Yes, yes. And it, it took gave, a while. And it takes a while. And it takes a while. So it gave you like, you know, it, it, it like it helped you adjust to the fact that Okay, well, we don't have a, a, a timetable anymore because, you know, right. we, we're not going to work. We're not doing this. So it's like, what are you going to do during your day? Well, you know, to wait an hour and a half to punch dough down. Hey, guess what? That's a, you know, that's a great achievement. I'm going to wait. <laughs> you know and what? So it, You've just said it, Michael. You've said it. And especially with the Maslow Pyramid, you couldn't be more correct. I do know that I made, I baked the bread and I, I really enjoyed it. I really went in and enjoyed yes, it. Yes. They got better. I mean, a couple of times when I sliced it and saw the crumb or different things, I'd say to my husband, this is looking pretty good. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I didn't know how to correct my own thing because I, but I, some, and I would give it to my neighbors next door, their dear friends. And he's so funny. He's a voiceover and he's been an actor. He'd say to me, that bread was good. <laughs> He didn't care that it was too small or that you know what I, mean? or I didn't know what I was doing. He'd say to me, that bread was good. So, but it, there was a great deep personal satisfaction in yes. making little scrawny loaves of sourdough. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, it, it nourishes. You can share in some way. It helps us have community and yeah. all of that stuff. So, so I think that was, you know, to me, if I, you know, if I had to go on the record and say, why did they have that? And I, that's what I would say. But I think the thing that really sealed the deal is when Jake Gyllenhaal went on Stephen Colbert and brought his starter. I <laughs> think that, and then everybody said, okay, I'm doing that now. So that- You know what? <laughs> You're right. Now, listen, I cannot thank you enough for your time today, for your time and your information and all your your great information. Um, uh, Cindy will 
broadcast this, Michael, as she does, and we'll tell you when it's going to go up. And to our listeners, we always put all the information up on our chef or our friends that are here so that you can contact them if you need to. And Michael, you know, it's just, and hopefully um, they'll use their coupon to see your Fugacha um, video. It sounds absolutely wonderful to me. And I so appreciate your time today. So if you want to reach Cindy and I, it's womenbeyond at iCloud.com. Of course, a lot of people, uh, we our Facebook page, Women Beyond a Certain Age. Um, people are sometimes shy and don't want to ask questions. So then they private message us. And that's fine, too. So, Michael, thank you so much. Oh, and what's your website? Say your website for people. Well, my website is my name. It's Michael Calanti. Okay. A-L-A-N-T-Y. No, it's not case sensitive. It, you know, it's just dot com. Dot com is my last name. Okay. See, <laughs> keeping it simple and to the point is a really, uh, when people give me websites that say things like, she's the best mommy or I am I'm a mommy in the world. I, I, my eyes already roll to the back of my head. I have no just, idea what- Just give talking. me a link then, just send the link. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope you thank, have a day. Thank and you, thank you, Denise. Thank you. And thank really, you it, was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you for, let, for sharing your audience with me. And, uh, you know, for having me on your show and just really, this was, it was great for me to reconnect with you as well. You know, Aren't it's, we, lucky? Aren't yeah. we, lucky? we are, we are. Thank you, Miss Cindy. Cindy keeps the wheels on the train, as we say, the train on the tracks. I try to make up a new one and she always says to me, that was stupid. So I'm just going to you know, one of the things after you've worked together with someone for 25 years, they're pretty honest with you. So, train on the tracks. Thank you, Miss Cindy. And thank you, everyone that listens. And thank you, Chef Michael. And we were going to ask you to come back again. And you go back to Central Milling. They need to have you make some more videos. I'm telling you, I feel it. I feel I, I, it in my bones. I'm, I'm taking your word and I'm going forward with it. So, you, thank you again for having me. Thank have you. Have a good so day. Bye-bye.